This is the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we're using scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 36 for Monday, October 21st, 2019. idea. Only Jesus can set me free from a guilty conscience. Our weekly identity statement, the spirit of Christ alone has the authority to shape my heart. I intentionally guard my heart against all other opposing forces. And our memory verse, a new memory verse for the second half of our series. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews 12, 1-3. John chapter 8 is a very fitting passage to bring into our series on Hebrews, especially the verses for our daily reading today. Right before verse 31, we read this narrative from John, even as he spoke, many believed in him. Then in verse 31, Jesus talks to those Jews who are starting to believe in him. That important phrase is something I hadn't noticed before. We tend to think that Jesus is talking to the Jews who were opposing him, but he wasn't. This recorded conversation is between Jesus and the Jews who were starting to believe in him. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To which these Jewish people replied with a lie. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Do they not remember the history of their ancestors? It was Jacob's sons who went down to Israel during the famine, which eventually led to God's chosen people, the Jews, being held captive as slaves for 430 years. It would appear that rewriting history isn't just a modern-day problem. It was happening in Jesus' day, too. Truth only comes by holding to Jesus' teaching. There is no such thing as truth apart from Christ. There is only the truth that God created. Everything else is a distortion, fabrication, misdirection, or blatant deception. So what do we do with that truth? The NIV says, hold to. But in my opinion, that's a bad translation, because it's the same word Jesus uses in his teaching about remaining in the vine, mano. It means to remain, abide, and dwell. It's a major theme in John. It's mentioned 33 times. The only way to be one of Jesus' disciples is to dwell, abide, remain in his teaching. This is going to be problematic for the Jews. They already have an entire system of teaching that they abide in. They dwelled in that teaching since they were young. They would have to let go of that teaching as their primary source for truth and embrace and reside in Jesus' teaching. Jesus keeps going. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The only way to be set free from the slavery of sin is if Jesus sets us free. 
Jesus sets us free through knowing the truth, which isn't just correct knowledge, but the embodiment of a life lived on the knowledge that founded the universe. We know the truth by abiding in Jesus' teaching. This is the only truth. The only way to be free is to abide in Jesus' teaching. If the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. In fact, that is the only freedom possible. Everything else is a form of bondage. And when the Son hasn't set us free, we start looking for a way to kill the one who has and is the truth. Why do we do this? Because we have no room for Jesus' word. We only have room for the truth of Jesus if we are disciples of Jesus. If we have surrendered to his truth, then we have the room. Make the room and completely surrender the room to Jesus. Then Jesus starts to transition into his argument about who their father really is. That if their father was Abraham, they would have recognized Jesus. And if their father was God, as they claimed, they would have recognized Jesus because that's where Jesus came from. He says, I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father, whom Jesus will argue is the devil. Why would Jesus dig so hard against the Jews who were starting to believe in him? Well, in part this is in response to the Pharisees' claim at the end of chapter 7 that Jesus is deceiving the people. Their argument is that, look, none of us are convinced that he's right, so Obviously, he's lying to you all, which is such a ridiculous, arrogant argument. Look, people, we are right. If Jesus was the Messiah, we would know it. And Nicodemus fights to get Jesus the opportunity to respond to their accusations. But remember, Jesus is addressing the Jews who are believing in him. So why would Jesus dig in so hard against the people who were believing in him? Because he wanted for his disciples people who believed only in him. Not in a little bit of this and a little bit of that customized combination of religious systems, but believed only in Jesus as their Messiah. He wanted people who would be willing to even go against the synagogue and the religious leaders to be one of his followers. The only way to be a disciple of Christ is to abide in the teaching of Christ. What does it mean to abide? As I said earlier, it means to dwell, reside, to continue to be present, to endure, live, survive, not become another or different. If you think of the soils in the parable of the sower, it's the seed that is planted in the good soil and produces a crop. That seed abides, remains, dwells in the good soil. It's not transplanted a hundred times like so many believers are today. When you transplant something time and time again, it thwarts the growth. It stunts the growth of the plant. It keeps the plant small. But to be a disciple of Christ is to dwell in the good soil, to constantly remain there. Do we do that? Or are we more in danger of Paul's warning to the Colossians? So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Colossians 2, 6-8 
With the amount of media all Americans are consuming standing at 11 hours a day, I think it's probably safe to say most of us are abiding, dwelling, or remaining in deceptive philosophies. Sure, I know that some of that media time for believers is probably spent with Christian teachers of various kinds, but even if that accounts for half of the time, which I don't know very many people who spend five and a half hours per day listening to or watching preachers and teachers of the Word— there are still at least five and a half hours where we are abiding in anti-Christian teaching. Come on! Do you really think all teaching that isn't based in the Bible is anti-Christ? Well, for the most part, yeah. Sure, there may be some teaching from time to time that coincides with God's truth, but those are exceptions. And 1 John chapter 3 and 4 make it clear that we need to test the spirits because the spirit of Antichrist is in the world intentionally leading believers astray. This is why I think we are so triggered. We have all these hollow and deceptive philosophies in our hearts. We have given the manipulative secular teachers and storytellers unrestricted access to our hearts. Not only have we drifted away from Jesus as a result, but when Christ challenges us in an area of our lives where we have embraced the deceptive philosophy, we get mad at God for being too oppressive and demanding. That's why our exercise for this week is dealing with triggers. I believe the things that trigger us are a clue to the things we have put our trust in and serve as our gods. We may not worship them by bowing down before a throne, but we are consumed with them. They consume our attention and affection, which, biblically speaking, is what worship is. The prophet Jeremiah said, But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Jeremiah 7 8. There is no value at all in the deceptive words of the anti Christian, hollow, and empty philosophies of this world. Those are just man's ideas, and those ideas change like shifting shadows. Like the Pharisees, people today think that simply because enough leaders agree with their stance, they are in the right. That simply is not true. The only true right is Jesus and his truth, and that's where we are supposed to abide. What are your triggers? If you find yourself triggered about something, ask why. Do a little digging to see if the truth you have believed is Jesus' truth. www.thejesushabit.com